check the mic and make sure it sound right, boys. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. I'm your host, Barry Moore. My next guest was born and raised in England. She is described as a go-getter, a chase-your-dreams kind of girl. She had her life forever changed in a terrible accident. She took charge of her story, transforming the narrative from a tale of victimhood to a story of strength and triumph. I'm pleased to say, coming up next, this is the girl on a bike, Vanessa Ruck. Check the mic and make sure it sound right, boys. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. I'm your host, Barry Moore. My next guest was born and raised in England. She is described as a go-getter, a chase-your-dreams kind of girl. She had her life forever changed in a terrible accident. She took charge of her story, transforming the narrative from a tale of victimhood to a story of strength and triumph. I'm pleased to say, coming up next, this is the girl on a bike, Vanessa Ruck. As well. <laughs> so, um, anyway, I'm Barrymore. Really nice to meet you, Vanessa. And you. Thanks um, for having me on. Yours is a crazy story. Bicycles yeah, got you into motorcycles. Yeah, it's not the normal route to motorcycles, no. that's for sure. No way. You took a special path, that's for certain. I don't know what you want to talk about, like how, how far you want to get into your story. You seem pretty open online about sharing everything that took place on that Tuesday. Yeah, more than happy. Chat, chat any of it okay. free. Uh, I guess you were leaving work and going to go have a lot of fun. And uh, that's when it all, it just all changed right there. Yeah. So, I mean, life before the accident was really, really active. Like everything yeah. I did was about sports, physically pushing the body, kite surfing was my big one. I cycled to work every day, wakeboarded after work. If there wasn't wind, I'd mountain bike and rock climb. And in March 2014, yeah, it was a pretty normal Tuesday. I was actually on the way to the wakeboarding lake to meet my husband and some friends for the evening. And I was cycling away from the office when a car coming the other way decided not to stop at their red light and cut straight across in front of me. And in that moment, life as I knew it changed. I um, went straight into the That's side incredible. of the car. Right shoulder took the full impact and then I landed onto my right hip. And being completely honest, I wasn't a bleeding mess on the side of the road. I did have to go away in an ambulance. But I was sent home from hospital that night with bruising. If we fast forward on seven years, I've had seven surgeries, included a reconstructed shoulder and hip. So um, it's been quite a roller coaster trying to get my body back together again, I suppose. <laughs> Going through your story, you were very active. You, you're right in all the adrenaline sports, like hands down the poster kid for uh, live your <laughs> most extreme life. And then, uh, then you're laid up for maybe a year. Um, so the seven surgeries were pretty much spread across six and a half years where it was yeah, kind that, of an up or down of trying to get my body fixed and me sort of being pushing on through rehab and trying to get fitter and stronger and just constantly hitting the ceiling of like, no, I hurt. I know my body. I'm only 28. I shouldn't be dependent on painkillers. Please look at me again. 
And then, you know, they do another scan and realize they missed something and I needed more surgery. So over those years, there was lots of ups and downs and sort of moments where it felt like my recovery was really coming along, but it was just to hit another ceiling of not getting past it. I'd say over the the sort of seven years, I had maybe a year and a quarter at, at least off work with a, a good chunk of that being very, very immobile. But it wasn't in one chunk as such. Then you find your way onto a Harley Davidson. <laughs> like you're in the UK. How rare is that bike? Um, you'll be surprised actually. There's quite a big Harley scene in England. There, yeah, people yeah. love it. It's not quite the same big, warm, open roads that you get in uh, some of the other climates, but we've got some fair enough. Yeah, some lovers in England. <laughs> and you guys have uh, country roads like nobody else, so. There's plenty of inspiration to to go for a rip, just dress warm. True, I guess. <laughs> and we have the Alps a short ride yeah. away, and the Alps and the Dolomites are incredible for riding. Where's your favorite destination on a motorcycle? Like, if you could just go out the door right now, where would you ride to? Iceland off road. Iceland, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah Iceland that's off-road. sweet. Definitely, we did that in um, when was it July last year on yeah. Husqvarna seven hundred ones. And it was absolutely mind-blowing out of this world. We went with Ride With The Locals and they organized all the bikes and know where to take you and how to make sure you don't fall in a crevice and stay legal on the tracks, etc. And the, the terrain, the variation, it felt like we were on a different planet, but then on a different planet and then on another planet because there was so much variety that was just out of this world. So yeah, it would be Iceland. Oh, sweet. Well, it's nice to know. Uh, I keep hearing from others. Iceland is definitely a space you should visit. How'd you like the Husky? Like, did it treat you well? Because it's a pretty tall bike. Yeah, it is a tall bike. I definitely couldn't reach the ground on either side. But one of the things I've just kind of realized with bikes is you've got to work on the slow riding technical skills so that you feel comfortable when you can't reach the ground. Uh, And then sort of avoid in situations where previously maybe you would have wanted to touch the ground, you can just ride through it as such. Um, but I yeah. really, I did enjoy that bike for the sort of distance and time on the saddle we were doing in Iceland. We were doing sort of 10, 11 hour days. Uh, one of the days I did on a 450 and it was really hard work because it doesn't have the same suspension. It hasn't got the same power. And I was properly having to ride it to keep up the 701s, oh, where the 701s it. just made it so effortless. Like for the distance, they were beautiful. And through your journey through social media, I guess. I don't know how to describe it because like you have an interesting career, all things being. You're, you're somewhat of a, an influencer, a bit of an inspiration for some. You, you got to meet Graham Jarvis. You guys went for clinic together. Uh, how'd you find that? Pretty incredible. So I was at his, his Jarvis school in Spain. Unfortunately, he wasn't there, but he's got some pretty insanely capable riders that yes. work at his schools. And I'd say I learned more in hard enduro realm of riding in those three days than I have in any other three days. It was like turbo, throw me out of my comfort zone, but within my capability, but maybe just not what I thought was capable. So I was really being pushed, but given the tools to be able to be pushed and it was, it was brilliant. I've had a good few conversations with him on the phone. Really, really sound guys. Mad thing that, you know, I just chatted to Graham Jarvis, one of the, you know, easily state one of the top riders in the world. He's a very, uh, approachable guy. I've, I've talked to him 
through Instagram a number of times, asked him for advice on things. And, but like, he's never out of touch. Like he's just a, a regular fellow who has exceptional talent. Have you been back on the kite surfing scene? Uh, or, or I no? often get asked this and I have been kite surfing once since the accident. Um, I want to get back to kite surfing. The motorbikes are now my new love and my new passion. And if you were to say, do you want to go nice. biking or biking? I would always pick going off-road biking. But at some point, I really would like to rekindle the kite surfing. Now, the reason I haven't is down to expectation management. And with the sort of recovery I've gone through, I've learned that expectation management alongside goal settings is one of the most important things for your recovery because when you set expectations you can set yourself up for a lot of upset really easily and for me I was a really good very confident capable kite surfer prior to the accident I could do unhook power trips do big railies big airtime and I know that my body now is not like it was before the accident And so there's an element of expectation management where when I do go back to it, I'm going to have to go back to it knowing that I'm not going to be like I used to be. And it's probably going to upset me while I sort of process the fact that this is my new version of me kite surfing and I want to get back to it. I just haven't had the chance yet. Yeah. Um, But I'm not going to rush it. Because the longer I leave it, the stronger I'll get. And maybe the smaller that difference will become, but I do think it's going to be quite a drastic difference, sadly. It's a hard um, sport to explain to people. Like uh, the first kite I ever touched was a 20 meter kite, which is ridiculous, but it was yeah. in July. So there was very little, little wind at all. Um, the fella tried a nine meter and a 13 meter, but they couldn't stay aloft. Uh, we're out on this giant lake, glass flat water, and then the 20 hooks in, and then it just pulls like a tractor, like holy nice. crow. But it, yeah, yeah, that was the that was like your first hit of cocaine or something. You're like, I want more of that, please, but just manageable amounts. It's an <laughs> I incredible had to sport being able to yeah. like buy your kit one time, and then mm. whenever you want, you can just rock up at the beach and ride and harness the power of of the environment of the winds yeah. and play for hours out at sea. It's really cool. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, it takes some I wish- tools though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah you got to be an idiot especially like, when uh, you start unhooking yeah yeah i think the the learning cur- like mm, uh, there was one time when i unhooked and did like pull on the bar for a little bit of power and uh tipped forward and i swear the water was going in my face and out my butt like just and i'm going oh, probably like 15 to 30 kilometers an hour through the water. Your rivals. <laughs> you started a merchandise store like uh selling uh the girl on a bike t-shirts and things like that has that been successful for you? I uh, haven't actually done that yet. I have some oh. merch that I wear that I've just made for myself. Yeah. But actually, you're you're bang on, though, because in the next week or so, I am actually going to launch some kit because people keep asking me when they can get a T-shirt or a beanie. And so I'm going to answer that call. I hope people will actually buy it. Yeah. <laughs> so stay That's tuned. Sweet. <laughs> So the way I found you is sort of organically. Uh, Instagram more than once said, you might like this person. <laughs> so wow. I started uh, cool. following through. Yeah, it is. It was just, I guess, because it's starting to just patch us all together. We'll just be in our own little mm-hmm. dirt bike echo chamber one day. But uh, but yeah, you have like ups and downs uh, in your stories. You're not just like the the fake Instagram 
influencer who just wants to like, my life is awesome. Look at me. Like, you know, I think social media really can be quite a toxic environment. And I'm kind of on a mission to make sure that I'm not adding to that. Yeah. You know, I know all too well myself that life throws us some really horrific curveballs, but no doubt you know, with the right attitude some smiles and a bit of strength we can fight our way through these things and i don't think all the whole 90 perfect shiny squares on instagram is necessarily a positive thing and i want to be real to show that actually you know life does throw us curveballs and we do have ups and downs but it's okay and it's actually okay to not be okay sometimes we've just got to find little excuses in our life to find a smile and you know, seek out things to lift our spirits a little bit and remember that we're all battling our own different things and that's okay. So it's really yeah, cool actually that you notice like, that as yeah. well. I want to be real. Oh, and uh, it comes through in your writing. Even when you're, you're writing about your horrible experience, uh, you can still see that you're, you're, you put a positive push on it. Like um, the girl on the bike began because you're stuck in bed, you know, and you had really nothing else to do. So you just channeled your energy into a, a positive thing. Like most people with a story like yours, instead of it being an uplifting story or a story of perseverance, they would turn it into a story of victimhood, how everything horrible happens to me and and my whole life was ruined and then they just give up and stop. But you started your life like at the accident. Yeah, no, that's true. Thank you. Well, there's um, I had a strange realization a couple of years ago. So I'm nearly seven years on from the accident now. Yeah. So it took me a couple of years to to really reach this stage. But I realized that if someone was to take me back the two minutes before the accident and say, right, I can wave this magic wand and make it not happen, I wouldn't change a thing. And I mean, I've been to some of the darkest places I didn't even know existed. I didn't know the world could be so dark in some of the stages of my recovery uh, and the pain uh, and the ongoing sort of fight to try and get a pain-free life again. But yet I have learned so much about life, what's important, being that grateful, gratitude, what's important, what's worth getting upset about, what's worth fighting for. The, the Even simple things like that I don't need as much money as I ever thought I did and working 70 hours a week for someone else in an office isn't my priority. It's about experiences and friendships and making the most of every single day because tomorrow might change the whole world as you know it. And you don't want to have regrets. So I'm actually in some really weird kind of twisted way, a little bit grateful because it's given me a very new perspective. Uh, There's there's nothing wrong with being grateful about a new perspective. Yeah, and I suppose like one of my Mm. missions now is to help use my story to inspire other people to make the most of every day. Because unfortunately, it often takes a bit of a punch around the face with an accident or something to make us realize, you know, how lucky we are. And so if I can help show people through my story, then, you know, if I can help encourage just one person every time I share my story to get up and give something a go that's really cool that's really cool it makes it all feel a bit more oh, worthwhile well, fair enough eh? uh, if life was transactional you put your, your money on the barrel you'd like to get a little something for it so yeah no, it's like... not that i want something for it it's that i want to make no, no. as much of a positive out of the pain i've had to go through and help as many people through yeah. through that to make it almost 
just makes it feel more like it was happened for a reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Help that, other people. So that's sort of where I was going. I just sometimes have an odd way of expressing myself. Sorry about that. <laughs> uh, um, so where do you go from here? Like uh, uh, seven years later, you have all of your surgeries behind you, I hope. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, Probably not, unfortunately. Yeah, I imagine that. But There's- for now, um, I cope with it, but I have you know, a fair bit of pain. I'm not going to let it stop me. I'm not going to slow down because I might wear it out, but I um, will need a new one at some point. But we'll push that back as much as we can and make the most of it till then. And then once I have a new one, then I'll have a new one to play with. <laughs> you expressed a, a particular fondness of off-road riding in, in enduro. Yeah. You were talking earlier about uh, setting expectations. Do you not find you're putting yourself at a risk? Definitely. Yeah. And if I have a fall on my enduro bike, the chances of it being worse for my body versus like a normal, not reconstructed body, it's definitely more of a risk. But I kind of see it like I can't bubble wrap myself through life. I'm not going to not do things just because I might get hurt. And the reality is you could get hurt on the toilet or walking across the road. Yes. Okay. Statistically, maybe I'm a little bit more likely to get hurt on a bike, but we'll forget that part. Uh, it's just about getting up and making the most of it because I, I can, and my body might hurt and might give me limitations, but it's the only body I'm going to ever have. So I'm not going to complain about it. I just want to crack on and make the most of it, I suppose. Okay. I'm just going to ignore the risk part. (laughs) Are you competing or are you just doing it like for fun, like in club races and kind of stuff? Yeah, so I started racing last year and I did some of the British Enduro Championship and the British Extreme, some hard enduro races, and I absolutely loved it. The start line is the most terrifying thing in the world. I remember the Valleys Extreme, which was my first hard enduro race, and I sat on the start line. I mean, there's hundreds of bikes everywhere. Uh, This race, I was the only female, and there were people everywhere, all around watching, five meters from the start line was a thigh-high plastic tube that you had to get over, like five meters from the start line. And I'm sat on the start line going, oh my goodness, what am I doing? I'm going to die. And it's not even like I'm going to die halfway around. I'm going to die five meters into this race. (laughs) Me and my husband have our like cardio intercoms on so we can talk. And I'm on the intercom being like, okay, Alex, you've got to get over it and then get off and come back and help me over it. Oh my goodness, I don't know how this is going to work out. Anyway flag goes and I'm like come on Vanessa and I just rap at it compress my suspension pop brap brap again straight over it bush and I was just like yes I can do this (laughs) and it was amazing that was the first one and that was the start of all of the rest that got me addicted I think with my history of being into the extreme sports I've always been wanting to to get that physical and mental push of the kind of sports. And once I'd got into motorcycles following the accident with the Harley Davidson, as you mentioned before, I think I've always then subconsciously, not necessarily actively been trying to work out how do I combine my new love for motorbikes with the fact that I want that physical mental burn of the sports. And so the, the hard enduro has just kind of naturally involved in my hobbies. Um, 2020 was a bit of a tough year with regards to racing because of COVID. The majority of them were cancelled. Yeah, I'm hoping to do more this year, but again, it will really depend on what what is happening. So Red Bull Romaniacs, I don't know if you've heard of that, which is one of the the big 
yeah, oh yeah. Um, okay. I write series. I'm booked to do that. Whether we can do it with COVID, we will see. Holy. Uh, but I'm a little bit terrified and excited. <laughs> Madness. So when you have races like Romaniacs, uh, it's a cross-country kind of uh, hard enduro. Um, you're really only racing against Vanessa, right? Like there's whatever, a thousand people take off from the line and all those waves. Like it's a pretty sick event. Uh, what are your goals? Like uh, most of us, I think, would just be to finish the race. Yeah, my, no, my goal is to finish the race. That That is, is as yeah. simple as that. Every day it's, you know, five-day race, getting to the finish line every single day. Alongside with my husband, we're going to do it together. We're about the same level, which is really cool, which means we can ride as a, not as a team, but as a pair and help each other through the bits that are just ridiculous. There's there's sections where you stand there with a motorbike and you're just like, I couldn't even walk through that. And you want me to take my motorbike through it? What is this? (laughs) I think my goal with so much of this is one, because I want to get out there and I want to feel alive. I want to push my body. I don't want to make excuses just because I'm partly reconstructed and hurting. But if I can, through the fact that I now have a social following, show people that even like little me with my reconstructed body and only recently starting riding can get up and have fun and give it a go, that we can all can give it a go. And it's never too late to start these new things or have a go at that crazy idea you've been thinking about doing. You know, get up and give it a go. Not everyone has been riding their whole lives and that's okay. Everyone starts somewhere. Get up and give it a go. <laughs> yeah. uh, you, you always fail at the things you never tried to do. So who cares if you fail after you've tried? Like you're, you're no far, no worse off. Uh, I remember mm-hmm. my first race, my my friends talked me into it. Yeah. And uh, it ended up being a pretty extreme cross country. And I was happy just to to finish. Like uh, I was a beginner. So there's only three of us in our class. <laughs> so like guaranteed podium but uh the the victory was honestly just getting through the the race and i had only had 20 hours on a dirt bike so i really had no business there but uh but it was probably the best thing and now i've raced a bunch three dirt bikes later like you know and my wife and my kid they both uh they're in it so i mean we're not like at our house we're just as as average as it gets so if we can do it pretty much anyone can uh in your 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 blog, you mentioned how motorcycles have taken you around the world, um, and obviously Iceland was a particular favorite. We all we all have like that one motorcycle story that was, uh, you know, it rained all the time and it was freezing all the time, or the bike breaks down. Like, do you have do you have a story like that? I suppose it was probably my marathon day in Bolivia. So we were in Bolivia, South America, riding Tiger eight hundreds, um, so okay. big ADV bikes. And it was a really, really, really long day. This trip was not that long after one of my big hip surgeries as well. But my surgeon had reassured me that I was going to be absolutely fine. Uh, but I don't think, I don't think medical team quite comprehend what off road riding is like. And this was adventure riding, so no. it was definitely not enduro. But it was, it's still, you know, it's still yeah. pretty tough on the body. Lots and of standing, lots of standing, lots of bumps. And this particular day, my hip was really hurting me. And I had to dig deeper than I have on a a few occasions other than sort of this and a couple of other uh, in my life. I really had to dig deep. And I remember there was one moment where I just said to the guys, I just need to stop. 
uh, and I got managed to get off my bike, which sounds crazy, but I mean that was a job with my hip then. And I just sort of collapsed yeah. into a heap onto the side of the dirt track and was just sat in the verge, just wanting the world to eat me up. And I didn't want to even look at my motorbike. And I think we still had two hours left to get to where we were staying that night. Oh wow! And out of nowhere, this absolutely angelic, beautiful little girl appeared from I don't know where she came from and she gave me an orange off her mum's orange tree and she just stood there looking at me with these beautiful little eyes giving this random Amazon crazy big English person with a motorbike outfit and mud all over my face an orange and I sat and ate the sweetest yummiest little orange I've ever had I've never had an orange that tasty and I got back on my bike and I kept riding and I got to the ho- the like hotel place for the night and I seriously earned that beer and my ADV stripes, yeah. I think I earned them that day. But uh, it's not a crazy story as far as bikes or things going wrong or anything, but I had to use every bit of mental and physical strength to make to the end of that day, 11 hour day in the end, which... 11 hours of riding is quite a lot. You then had, you know, the lunch stop and photo stops. Yeah. yeah. No, it's hard on the body, especially if you're not on tarmac the whole time. Uh, it gets yeah, there was no something. tarmac. So you touch on something about uh, motorcycle life that I don't know people who don't ride under, that, like can appreciate, but just how you randomly meet people like on the journey. And it, you may only know them for the 30 minutes on the side of the road or in a coffee shop, but they stick with you for the rest of your life. Did you expect that part of the culture when you threw your leg over the Harley that first time? No, definitely not. You kind of instantly become able to connect with anyone that loves two wheels. Really? It's, it's quite an incredible thing. And no matter where you are in the world, you'll nod and you'll wave and you're, you know, you'll be that friendly face to any other bikers that come through. It's a lovely Lovely community, really. Yeah. Hollywood does it a disservice by making everybody look mean and grumpy. Oh, <laughs> and everyone has to have be fat with long hair and tattoos and piercings. That's not true to bikers. No, it's not. It's it's sort of a bad stereotype, especially for yeah. uh, people who ride the, the Harley Davidson bike. <laughs> yeah. You mentioned Alex, your husband. Um, mm-hmm. Were you guys married at the time of the accident? No, no, we weren't. Um, we were engaged at that point. Uh, we okay. were, had our 11-year anniversary on Saturday, 11 years Oh, happy anniversary. That's yeah. pretty sweet. That is sweet. Yeah, he's a, an amazing soulmate. He's been an absolute, it's that, oh, it sounds so cliche and boring, but he was like my rock through the accident, but he really was. We had a life that was evolving around sports, our friendship circles, our holidays, everything. And instead of him just going, oh, well, I'm going to go kite surfing anyway, he was like, well, kite surfing isn't fun without you. Why would I want to go? Let's find something that you can do. And so our whole lives just changed. And I think that's part of the reasons why the Harleys became such an amazing decision in our lives in as far as the mental recovery from the accident. And bearing in mind that over those seven years, there were months and months and months, years where I couldn't actually ride a motorbike. But between surgeries, there were times yeah. when I when I could. And I still remember the first time we went camping on the Harleys. We went about six miles down the road because that's all I could physically handle on the bike. But I was out of the house. We had a little fire. We had some bubbly, some steak on the barbecue. And I felt so alive. It was nothing 
of an adventure compared to what we did prior to the accident. But for where I was, we were in our lives at that point, it was the most uplifting and incredible experience. And that was kind of the start of the Harleys taking us all around Europe. I think we've done 15 countries around Europe now, 20,000 miles. And then as I've got physically more able, the off-road bikes have come into the picture and Alex didn't do off-road riding either. It was uh, it was crazy me. One morning I was bedbound after a hip surgery and I rolled over to my husband. Well, I didn't roll over because I couldn't roll. I sort of looked looked over to him and I was like, can I get a dirt bike? He was like, what? Um, yes, where's that come from? And to this day, I do not remember what made me decide I wanted to get an off-road bike. But anyway, we did some research and we were quite lucky in our sort of lives at that time that we were able to go out and get a really old little Yamaha WR250 and we bought it. It was five months until I could even sit on it. But I had it. It was there as a reminder, as a goal. Every time I was hurting too much and I couldn't be bothered to do my physio, I had it there as a, yes, come on, Vanessa, I want to ride that bike. Um, and I think goal That's setting awesome. is so important with recovery. So where do you guys ride? Like, I understand uh, in the UK, there's a lot of rules about uh, mm-hmm. about where you're allowed to ride. It's kind of make it yeah, difficult. So to... When we first started with the off-roading, which was probably three and a half, four years ago now, um, we would just do green lanes and byways so they're basically roads that are unpaved so they're completely legal to ride with an engine and then as we started to get into more hard enduro unfortunately they're not quite as exciting because we want rocks and things in the way and you don't tend to get those on roads in the uk so we tend to have to go to sort of dedicated riding areas places like wernedu quarry in north wales and comb quarry where they're, they're i mean the name says it they're an old quarry and there's some crazy terrain and we push ourselves there we then try and travel where we can and experience other terrains in different conditions and it's amazing how riding in lots of different types of terrains helps you in all of the other types of terrains so riding in deep mud or oh, yeah. clay mud chalky mud desert deserty stuff in like spain where it's dry and there's loads of tractions or hillsides in andorra it all helps us sort of refine our riding i suppose so we've been quite lucky to be able to take a little bit of time and travel about how many bikes have you had like what are you riding right now i think it was a husqvarna is the last photo i saw you on yeah so i've got husqvarna 250 uh, uh, so it's a te 250i and that's my hard enduro bike. I then have my Harley Davidson, which is a Diana Street Bob, which is just about shy of seventeen hundred cc, three hundred and twenty kilos. So quite a beast. That's the yeah, it is. And then we have so my husband has a Husqvarna as well. And then we both have trials bikes, which we use to do skill training and technique on a slightly smaller yep. bike that's you know easier less risk of injury etc and then we transition it up onto the bigger enduro bike for hard enduro um, and then i actually have an adventure oh, bike at the moment an africa twin on um uh, on loan for a little a few months which i'm enjoying oh i bet that's a sweet bike too like holy mm. oh you seem to have all the genres of of motorcycling down pat <laughs> trials yeah. to, to adventure bikes 
Harley so Davidson. So the one I haven't measure. ever done is track day. I was meant to do my first track oh. day last year. I was going to do it on a on a Ducati, but COVID yep. kind of cancelled a lot of my plans last year. So I've still got to pop my track day cherry, but hopefully 2021 might let that happen. We'll see because never tried it. It looks fun um, and fast. <laughs> well, my my background is is on the the track bike, and uh, mm. the, the body language is different. Um, versus trials or anything else like uh so they're going to give yeah. you a rundown on what to do just pay close attention and then uh <laughs> i my best advice is like ride at 70 percent uh even though you'll be able to ride at 90 um i feel that the body language like the if you get a crossed wire <laughs> you're gonna hit the yeah, ground uh, like let, let, like you know riding by by muscle memory or, or instinct uh, you put yourself at risk because that's what happens for me off-road uh, when I'm just grooving along, sort of soul surfing. Um, I will just do something that I would do on the sport bike and it doesn't translate correctly. It's just like <laughs> I hit the ground fast. It's so. kind of the opposite from what I understand, isn't it? Yeah. Very that's going to be my brain in. <laughs> yeah. Cause like, wait, the like you're going into a turn, you wait the outside peg. Um, and then uh, you have your body on the on the inside of the turn on a sport bike, on an mm. off road bike. You wait the outside of peg, and you're on the outside of the bike. There's lots of these little things that are just a lot different. Elbows down instead of elbows up, and how you manhandle the, the handlebars a little bit different. Uh, have, you've never been to to North America with a the motorcycle, then? Um, the first time we ever rode Harley's was in Texas. It doesn't get more American miles, than that. Miles, Canyon, <laughs> yeah. Midpoint Cafe, Cadillac Ranch, etc. It was it was pretty cool. That is cool. Texas is a spot I'd like to go. It's just so far away. Like I'm in Alberta. I have to say, like I find your whole thing interesting. Like just the your spirit is admirable. Like I said earlier, uh-huh. a lot of people will turn into a victim story and just fall off the the planet and just boys me. And it just seems like you're living life to the extreme. You've taken all of your courage and things pre-accident and turned it into just a life after uh, thank you i really appreciate that i mean i'll be really honest i definitely have down moments down days i've had no down doubt. weeks but it's about being okay with that and not beating yourself up with the fact that you're having a down moment and trying to find ways to pick yourself up um you know a lot yeah, of people we- ask me you know are you angry at the driver and i guess i was pretty angry at first and then I realized that being angry at the driver did nothing but twist me up inside. Like that anger was so unhealthy and it would give you this little like knot in your chest. And there's no reason that there's no way I could ever. She didn't mean to do it. It was, you know, a momentary lapse of judgment or awareness. And being angry at her does nothing but hurt myself. So I had to, you know, let go and forgive. And everything, you know, everything in life just happens. Being twisted up on the past kind of doesn't help. What I need to do is work out where I am now and making the most of it to move forwards. I suppose that's what I've been on mission to do. Where, where did you find the strength to let go, forgive that person? Yeah, I don't think I really saw there being a choice because I didn't want to carry on living angry inside. Like that's, that's no way to live. The, the better way yeah, for fair. me 
was to let go. And I suppose people have asked me, like, how did you get back out on the road after your accident? Weren't you scared? Yeah, I was. It was terrifying. And for years, I'd be out on the road and something would come, particularly from the right, and it would be like, boom, flash straight back to the accident. And I'd have a freak out. And yeah, it was it, it was scary. But I couldn't let the accident stop me being on the road for the rest of my life. You know, you, you, that would just be life destroying I had there was never an option I think I grew up riding horses which maybe maybe helped because you know the saying when you fall off the horse you get back on and yeah you did fall off the horse quite a lot as a little kid on naughty little ponies and you always brush yourself off and no matter how much it hurt you'd get back on and you'd keep riding and I suppose for getting out on the road after an accident the longer you leave it and the more you dwell on it the more it sort of grows up in your head and gets talked up into a bigger and bigger and bigger thing and actually just biting the bullet and giving it a go so often is actually the yeah. easier option even though it feels harder because you don't give yourself the time to try and rationalize this irrational fear of yes another hot car might hit me but just because I got hit before it doesn't mean I'm more likely to get hit again or anything like that it life goes on yeah, we've yeah. got to just crack on with that i suppose like I, I can really see how you could work yourself into a into a state where you just stopped because that was the safest thing and honestly that's like hands down the worst decision a person could make so you mentioned how in the one in enduro race you were the only woman on the line do you do you see huge opportunity for women to get into the sport like what oh, holds women back from definitely. trying to get in um so as a woman out there doing it I guess I can understand in some ways why more women aren't doing it. The bikes are big, they're heavy, it's male dominated, it hurts. You need extra skill to compensate for the fact that we are generally stereotyping, not wanting to say all women are weaker than all guys, we're not. No. But generally we are smaller, which means that the bike to weight body ratio, you know, is a bit more tricky. And I can understand that it's quite an intimidating environment. Yeah. But it is absolutely incredible. And I think something that a lot of people don't necessarily think about is that, you know, I mean, I think in England, female bikers are 8% of the bikers in England. I don't know what it is on the enduro or hard enduro scene. I'd say it's even lower, but I mean, generally in biking, I think that's probably from insurance companies. So road insured bikes. But actually, if you look at a lot of the extreme sports, it is lower on the female side. And I kind of just want to encourage more women to get up and give it a go. And it's awesome fun. <laughs> and us girls can do it too. Do you ever feel gender plays a role? Like when you are when you line up with the guys, uh, other than casual ribbing or anything, do you think that they, they discount you? Uh, because you're a girl on the line. I love it when people underestimate me and just think I'm the girl. That's that's one of my favorite ones, yeah. especially now I'm getting oh, better at riding. But I think I always joke that there's three types of guys. Uh, this again, okay. really broad brush stereotype. So please don't take yeah. this to heart, right. anyone. This is just like a well, little bit of fun I have. So the three types of guys, you've got, first yeah. of all, the guy that just doesn't even bat an eyelid. You're like, yeah, that's a girl non-event she's out he just a rider too doesn't even bat an eyelid 
Then you've got the guy that's like the knight in shining armor, like, oh my God, there's a girl and she's fallen off her bike. Quick, run to her rescue and pick her bike up. And is she okay? And oh my God, there's a girl on a bike. And, you know, they're lovely and supportive. And when you're stuck on a rock, that's actually really kind of cool because (laughs) you can always help (laughs) that help. It's useful. Uh, But it's funny with my husband because my husband will be like, what? No, I'm not going to help her. She's fine. And they're like, oh my God, she's fallen off. And he's like, it's fine. Just leave her. And then you've got the third yeah. type of guy <laughs> who awesome. is the one with the the tiny willy, if I'm allowed to say that word on your podcast, uh, who has something yeah, to yeah, prove yeah, yeah, yeah. and a chip on their shoulder yeah. that there's a ponytail out here. And, oh, my God, I've got to overtake her no matter what it takes, even if I make fall off in front of her because I can't actually ride fast or I've got to roost past and put mud in her face or you've got that kind of like ego side. They're all like obviously a... way more than these three types of guys, but I find those three ones quite yeah, a lot. Sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, it's like, uh, yeah, don't worry. Uh, most of my audience rides a, a motorcycle, and I think that they would share those views. And if not, find they would definitely find them amusing. Uh, cool. Yeah, like <laughs> I'm, I'm the, the knight in shining armor, but I have no gender bias. Amazing. I find people That's as I'm going. Brilliant. Yeah. I like that. Oh, I get in shape. <laughs> yeah. I just don't, I don't, uh, yeah, if you fall off your bike and you're in a bad way, I'll stop and help you. My wife laughs. She's like, you know, it's a race, right? Like you're supposed to race. It's like, yeah, but it's for fun. The The prize is cardboard. Like, who gives a shit? I, I'd feel better losing the cardboard than I would just watching somebody go down a cliff and not get their bike back up. So yeah. that's my failing. I'll, I'll never be on the podium as long as somebody sucks. As a woman, uh, getting on, on all the different bikes. Like I find it surprising that you're on Husqvarna because it's such a tall bike. Did you get your bike tuned, lowered, I guess? Yeah. So my Husqvarna Enduro bike, I did last year get lowered. I think it's a 45 mil drop. Um, but okay. that's really because I do the hard Enduro. And so often you're in a situation in a, a rock field or on the side of a hill where I would fall off purely because... I couldn't reach the ground. And if you watch the likes of Gray and Jarvis, I actually, when I'm riding along in my head, I'll be like, deploy the Jarvis legs. <laughs> because the yeah. top riders use their legs, right? Yeah. That's part of the weapon. Yeah. And it's not trials. Mm-hmm. It's not about being clean and not touching the ground. Um, so yeah, yeah, I had my Husky lowered for hard enduro and it was game changing. Really was. On all the other yeah. bikes, like the big oh. adventure bikes and stuff, I tend not to worry about it. If there's a scoop seat available and it helps you out, perfect. But it doesn't bother me too much. No. Yeah, having having the ability to touch the ground in off-road is a big deal. Like, especially on the side of a mountain when you're already off camera. Yeah, it helps. And and, and the ground is (laughs) an extra four inches away. I'm a shorter guy. I like a pretty short inseam. I fall over just at the start line. So I can appreciate being able to touch the ground when, when it really matters. Uh, is there a bike that you'd love to have that you don't have? Um, yes, an electric motion e-pure. So this is oh, an yeah? electric trials bike. There is actually a couple of videos of me riding them on my YouTube channel. They I'll have like look. something like 700 pounds of torque. Or, I mean, they're ridiculous. Like it's a full on trials bike that is electric. And I think the reason I really love it is one, because they, the performance is insane. Uh, two, they are quiet, which means when you're going around the countryside, you're not disturbing anything, you're not upsetting walkers or birds or deer, and you can just 
ride it's beautiful and uh, we're actually in the process of moving house and our new house is going to have a garden that's just enough big enough to actually be able to ride a trials bike on and if we had an electric trials bike i wouldn't upset anybody with the sound on that on the e-bike what was the range like because that's the big the big um Mm. setback is is like either battery packs or things like that um versus gas you just add a bit more and yeah, so we did, I think, four days riding on a, the electric bikes at Inch Perfect Trials, where you can, in England, that's where you could try them. And one of the days, my husband was on his Beta Evo combustion bike, and I was on the trials bike. Yep. I had to tow him home because he ran out of fuel before the electric bike ran out of juice. Oh, that's a good sales pitch right there. Like... Yeah. For trials, that bike had more range than my body has strength for trials riding like you'd get a good good day's riding and you can put it on charge while you have a coffee at lunch and get a boost it's not a limiter then not like it was like not for trials not for trials if you were talking about going off on a 300 mile trek then yeah yeah, yeah, you'd you'd have to think about things differently but generally for trials you don't go that far no yeah i think i was thinking like uh, along the lines of trials um in moto, like motorbikes at the track. Uh, so the farthest you're going to have to walk is 500 meters to a charge station, but versus 500 miles. Well, you know, things happen. Things break down. Uh, motorcycles are renowned for letting you down when you don't want them to. This is true. Yeah. And that's one of the things I really like um, about the electric offerings is that the functionality or the the mechanics within an, an electric bike are that much simpler, simpler than a combustion bike. So actually, the reliability yep. is hugely improved on an electric bike. If you're moving parts, you're you're more likely yeah. to be successful. Yeah. Mm. Um, and then, uh, and your your husband, uh, how did he feel about being towed home by an e-bike? It was fine. You know what? That's actually oh, happened that's- to me twice with electric bikes. So I've just thought of another time. So the bike that we I was just telling you about was the e-pure by Electric Motion. I was yeah. riding with the escape which is like a trail bike again by electric motion and i was in the in okay. the pyrenees in andorra with two friends on the escape electric bikes and i was on my combustion bike and i ran out of fuel and i had to get towed back by the electric bike <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> i've only ever towed one fellow back uh and his he had a uh, one of those cheap chinese bikes and uh mm. it was air cooled and we were going to muskeg and then it overheated and then uh we cooled it down but somehow he had torn a wire on the ignition loop and the bike would never start again so i pulled him home and oh, that no. sucked like uh cost me a cost me a clutch but whatever i mean clutches are cheap um well they, they really are uh compared to a whole bike yeah <laughs> um, true. all right well i feel like it's taken up um a good chunk of your time so I'll uh, I'll let you go. Uh, it was really good talking to you. And, yeah, thanks um, so much for I, having me on and caring about my story. Oh. I, I really appreciate your time talking with me. Well, that brings us to the end of another episode. I want to thank my guests for taking the time to sit down and chat with me. A special thank you to you, my supporters, Without you, this would not be possible. If you enjoyed the show, give it a five-star rating. And if you haven't already, be sure to like, subscribe, and share. If this is your first time listening, I encourage you to take the three-episode challenge. 
Once again, thank you for your continued support and stay tuned to find out what's coming up next time. 